You guys doing good tonight? You guys doing good? I hope you guys are doing great. Um, I'm doing wonderful. Um, and uh, God's doing some epic things. Even as Bo prayed, God's doing some cool things in our group and in our church. Uh, I'm coming off of a weekend. Uh, as a few of you guys are coming off a weekend uh, as youth leadership team uh, uh, away at the beach with 21 uh, youth, uh, 14 of which were junior hires, uh, which was great. Praise God for junior hires. They are the future, though we don't see it right away. Uh, I love them. They're awesome. Sunday was great. Uh, just great services at Hillside. Um, I'm also in the process right now. Uh, I came back from a conference just to be with you guys because I love you so much. Yay, I'm going to be heading right back down to the conference tomorrow morning. Uh, it's with the Oregon Assemblies of God Ministry Network. Uh, just hearing from some great speakers, from great pastors from both within our state and all over the United States. Uh, just exciting things are happening um, amongst our fellowship. Uh, God's doing some great things getting poured into, uh, as I'm super stoked for what God has. Uh, in the weeks, the months, and the years to come, uh, not only with this group, but with our church, and with our state, uh, some really cool things going on. And that all uh, gets me jacked up and psyched up. Uh, how many of you guys enjoyed our worship night last week? It was a great time in worship. It was, uh, it was solid, like just boom, God is so good. Um, and we talked a little bit about Ephesians chapter 5, just briefly, uh, kind of just giving you guys the teaser. Um, how do you guys like it when you go to the movies and you see all the trailers beforehand, and you're like, oh my goodness, that's the only reason I go to the movie theaters is for yeah. the previews. How many of you guys, that's the only reason you go to the movies? Mm-hmm. you're like, I love previews in movie seats. It's just, I don't know what it is. That's why I'm there. Uh, I can go see the movie on on demand or blu-ray or netflix or whatever when it comes out but man those previews in the theater there's just something about that um well i gave you a little bit of a preview for ephesians chapter five last week uh, and i gotta let you guys know ephesians chapter five is one of my favorite portions of scripture uh of all time if 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 a pastor or if a christian can have a favorite portion of scripture ephesians chapter five is like in my top three um so we're going to be diligent tonight to kind of go verse by verse um as we continue our series through the book of Ephesians, lots to review, um, but we don't have slides, so that's totally okay. Um, just know that the book of Ephesians, as you guys all know, has a theme, and its general theme is uh, new life in Christ, the life of the believer. We all know that Ephesians is about the life of the believer, right? Can you guys all say that with me? The life of the believer. Awesome. And so, uh, if it's not the life of Justin Bieber, it's the life of the believer. Did I hear anyone say, okay, no. Good, good, good. And uh, it breaks down really for us well into three uh, distinct sections. The first part was talking uh, about the riches of the believer and those spiritual blessings and spiritual uh, uh, just gifts that we have, the wealth uh, that we have as being believers uh, in Christ, having that new life and these riches, how they enrich our life so that we can live for the Lord in everything we do. Then the second part, which we're currently in right now, uh, is the reflections of the believer uh, and what our life as uh, people who are living in the fullness of what God has for us, in the fullness of the riches that we have as believers, uh, what our reflections are to look like. And our reflections uh, are to look like Christ. We are to be reflections of Christ. Um, When people look at us, they should see Christ in us. uh, Because he is our hope and glory. 
uh, and it is just so great. Um, I heard testimony even today uh, of a of a man um, who's been serving over in Afghanistan, not as a soldier, but as um, a a world uh, missionary, uh, just doing the work of God, the work of Jesus Christ in Afghanistan. Uh, who he personally, within the last five years, has had uh, 12 of his partners uh, killed by the Taliban mm. throughout various times. Um, but the gospel is going forth, and uh, Jesus is the hope and the glory that we have, and, and, and he's being revealed to all peoples of all uh, cultures throughout this world. Uh, and the truth of Jesus um, is being preached by those who are faithful to the gospel. And this is a portion of scripture that is all about this is how we must walk as believers. This is how we must reflect Christ in everything we do. Um, and so we must reflect Christ. And if we do not reflect Christ, yet we claim to be a follower of him, uh, we are hypocrites and there is no room for that in the church. Uh, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, we must uh, always reflect Christ. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. We are human and we fail. Um, but when we fail, uh, it is how we respond to our own failures, how we respond to the forgiveness of God, and how we continue to reflect Christ in all that we do. And then the last portion of Scripture, which we'll get to probably in a week or two, um, is... is uh, the readiness of the believer. And what is the readiness of the believer? It is that spiritual warfare. Uh, it is that combating uh, against the forces that are in this world and not in this world. Uh, and how we as believers um, must deal with this. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a great outline for it here in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, it's going to be fun, some fun times. I think we even have like sermon props and like swords and helmets and all that fun stuff. Just to make it real to you guys. And we'll even do gladiator matches up here. Yes. Everyone's like Maximus, Maximus. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, but yeah, some really cool things ahead. But uh, like I said, this is my favorite portion of scripture. Uh, I'm going to read uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. Uh, so bear with me as we read through this together. Uh, then we're going to pray. And then, Lord willing, we're going to get through verse 21 in the next 45 minutes. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, let's, let's read. Follow along with me. It says this. Therefore, ha-ha, whenever you see therefore in Scripture, That's you always must ask yourself, what is therefore therefore? And so therefore being, hey, verse... I mean, chapter 4, we've seen what it means to be a new man in Christ. We've seen what it means to live in the Spirit, operating in the Spirit. So now, therefore, this is how we must conduct ourselves. Does that make sense? So, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But... Fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting uh, for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolishness, uh, nor coarse joking, uh, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. 
for the fruits of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather exposing them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by light, for whatever makes manifest in light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. When was the last time you heard the word circumspectly? Yeah. Work circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How many of you guys think that's important? Be wise and understand what the will of the Lord is. Whoosh! All right. And do not be drunk with wine uh, in which... Uh, is dispensation or, 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 or dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you. God, even as we're reminded here in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, we thank you in Jesus' name for what you have done for us, what you are doing in us, what you are doing through us. God, what you're doing for us. God, just for you. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son, um, God, just to die a place, uh, uh, die a death, uh, in place for us, God, paying our way so that we can have eternal uh, salvation, God, and eternal life with you. God, we thank you. Uh, God, we just pray that in these next few moments, God, as we take a look at what your word has to say, God, as we dive in verse by verse, God, we pray that your word, uh, God, would uh, inspire us. Uh, God, the, the truths that are uh, tucked away line by line, verse by verse, precept by precept, God, the truths that are in there, God, as we kind of unfold and, and, and dig in, God, I pray that those truths would inspire us, uh, God, and they would inspire us to live our lives differently. Um, God, may we not read your word and, and walk away the same, but God, may we leave um, knowing uh, that we have to be different. We have to follow you. We have to reflect you. We have to imitate you. Uh, so God, may we be inspired. God, not only may we be inspired, but may your word encourage us. Oh God, that your word would encourage us. God, it would build us up in our most holy faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God, we pray that as we hear the word of God, that we would be doers of the word of God and that we would grow in what your word has for us. God, it would build up our faith and we would be encouraged. And God, lastly, that your word would challenge us. Um, God, that it would challenge us uh, to be more like you, uh, to be more about you, to be more for you. Uh, God, to let you move through us. Uh, God, your word would challenge us uh, to take your word beyond the four walls of the church. Uh, God, your word would challenge us to go to the highways and the hedges and compel all those who would hear what your gospel has to say. Uh, God, may your word always be challenging to us. Not that it is um, challenging in the fact that we can't understand it and it's high and lofty above us, but God, may you by your spirit make your word so true and so vivid to us that God, it would challenge us to live our lives for you. So, God, we thank you and we praise you. May none of these be my words. God, I just lay my own self aside, God, my pride. And I say, uh, God, speak through me. May anything that be of me, may it fall on deaf ears. Uh, God, may your perfect word uh, ring out 
So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. 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 How many of you guys, um, let's be honest. Is it okay if we're honest in church? You guys think it's okay if we're honest in church? Yeah. Holla. Okay. So, in, sh- no, not in church. Uh, when you're at home getting ready for church. Okay, we'll say that. How many of you guys have ever looked in the mirror to make sure you're okay? Yeah? All right. I said be honest. Everyone should raise their hand. Um, I look in the mirror. i got to make sure my shirt's all nice and straight, you know. Uh, tie my tie. Um, how many of you guys, when you look in the mirror, um, you say, man, you look good. I know a few of you do. Others of us, like me, are like, whoa, what happened? Uh, but it's all good. Uh, how many of you, when you look in the mirror, uh, you don't see you? Ooh, that's kind of creepy. You, like, look in the mirror and you see, like, 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 let's say it's Wesley. Wesley looks in the mirror and he sees Dusty. Now, how creepy would that be? Like, whoa, where'd Dusty come from? Like, that just doesn't happen. And, uh, uh, except maybe in horror movies, which we're not going to go there. Um, but yeah, when you look in the mirror, you see your reflection. That's just how it happens. How many of you, like, when you get out of the shower and it's all, like, steamy and, like, all the mirrors are fogged up, you, like, wipe off the mirror, and when you wipe off the mirror, you don't see you, you don't see anyone, it's just, like, this blank mirror, you're like, what's happening? Is there, like, some vortex? No, it doesn't happen. You see you. Right? When you look in a mirror, you see your reflection. How many of you have ever gone to a lake before? And uh, you bend down, then you look in the water before someone's jumped in it and splashed it, and, and the sun's hitting it just right, and you can see the reflection. What do you see a reflection of? You. Someone throws a rock in it, then you see like lots of reflections of you rippling away. Um, sometimes if you get too close, a fish will come up, and, and, the, and the fish becomes part of your reflection. Um, but no, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> when you look and you see reflection, you always see you. And so why I'm talking about this is because we're in the portion of uh, Ephesians talking about the reflections of the believer. When people look at you, so I stand up here, Pastor Matt, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, um, I've given my life to Jesus. When people look at me, uh, who do they see? Whose reflection do they see? Uh, if Brandon were standing up here and uh, a non-believer walked up to them and they see Brandon, who do they see? Um, well, the Word of God tells us that they will know uh, who we are and whose we are by our fruits, the fruit that we bear. Uh, are we bearing fruit? Here we see, we're going to get to it eventually, um, but that the fruits of the Spirit are all um, righteousness and truth. Are we reflecting the righteousness and the truth of God? Are people seeing Jesus in us? You've heard it said, and I'm, I'm sure you have, it's a cliche that um, really actually is, there's a lot of truth in it, uh, but it goes something along the lines of, you may be the only Jesus someone sees, right? Okay, Not that you're like walking as an Arminian man, with long hair, maybe a beard, we actually don't know, um, a robe, you know, walking around. Uh, not that they see that, um, but that they see uh, Christ attributes in you. Um, it's so, so important as believers uh, to reflect Christ in everything we do. So if you're taking notes, uh, which I see a few of you are, uh, praise God for note takers. Uh, there's a special place in heaven for note takers. Um, they they live like in like the Beverly Hills of heaven. Uh, it's great. No, I'm just messing around. But uh, if you want to title this message, uh, the title uh, is just reflections. 
super simple. You can even write it backwards so when you show it in the mirror, it's the reflection. It says reflections. That'd be cool. Props if you can do that. Um, but, uh, guys, the whole point of tonight's message in this verse-by-verse study, as we're going to go verse-by-verse, we're going to see how each verse shows us a different part of the mirror of us when people look at us, how we are reflecting Jesus back to them. Uh, and it starts so perfect for us. Therefore, be imitators of God, dear children. You guys, dear children, me, a dear child of God, we must be imitators. How many of you guys, this will also be a fun one for you, how many of you guys have ever gone to a carnival before? Yeah? Or or like uh, Oaks Amusement Park? You guys know the jingle? I'm not going to sing it because that's a goof. Yeah, there you go. I knew someone was going to sing it. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been to the original Taco House on Powell? Yeah, great, great food. Um, how many of you guys have ever seen the Fun Mirrors? You guys see the fun mirrors? Like, they're, like, all, like, kind of wobbly. And so you, like, walk really close to them, and then you look like you're, like, super short. Walk kind of far away from them, you look like you got, like, wobbly legs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, fun mirrors. They're goofy. Now, have you ever noticed uh, you turn from being, like, a 20-year-old into, like, a 2-year-old when you get in front of a fun mirror, right? And you're like, I wonder if that mirror's going to do exactly what I do when I walk, you know? And, like, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do, and you just look really funny in them. Okay, how many of you guys, when you see a real mirror, you turn into a 2-year-old? Okay, a few of you. That's awesome. Uh, but no, you when you see a mirror and you start moving, you expect your reflection to move the same way, right? Yeah? Okay. And so, like, maybe you sometimes... How many of you ever tried to cut hair in a mirror? There you go. Yes, I, I have cut my hair using a mirror before. Uh, and it is very, very hard to, like, try and line up scissors because when you move, it goes like a little... You guys know what I'm talking about, right? But you got to get used to it. But then when you get used to it, it's super simple. Super simple. Because the mirror is just imitating you. Does that make sense? So think of ourselves. And I want us to think of ourselves tonight in this message. Me, the Christian, I am the mirror. Right? God is the person standing on the other side of the mirror. Jesus Christ is the person who is... The mirror reflecting. Does that make sense? Okay. And then, if we're using Snow White, I think that's the right Disney movie, uh, the world are the ones saying, mirror, mirror on the wall. Right? They're not asking who's the fairest on the wall. They're saying, mirror, mirror on the wall. What's the meaning of life? Right? And so we, as the mirror, we reflect Christ to them. Okay? Uh, I don't even know. I, that wasn't anywhere. I just pulled that one off the wall. Uh, that's not pulling the mirror off the wall. That's a bad joke. Um that's yeah, a good pun. Uh, but no, uh, mirrors imitate the person standing in front of the mirror. Okay? They don't have a choice. A mirror is an inanimate object. Um, I'm not saying we as Christians are inanimate objects. I'm saying we as Christians, we have to be mirrors. And the second we stop being mirrors, the second we stop imitating Christ, is the second that we start walking away from Christ. Think about it. If you're not imitating Christ... You are actually losing ground. Okay? Maybe not in your own eyes. Maybe not even in the world's eyes. But the further you are from imitating Christ means literally the further you are away from Christ. Okay? So much so that a mirror, let's just use the human eye and sight. Okay, you can see things, and you can see things up to a distance. Like I'm standing here, I can look through the back windows, and I can just barely faintly see my reflection in the windows across the street. It's like way far out there, but I can barely see it. But I guarantee you if I just go a few 
100 feet that way, I'm no longer going to be able to see my reflection. It's like a mirror. I'll let you guys go do it on your own, okay? It's another bonus experiment for you guys. Take a mirror, set it at one end of a football field. You can lean it up against the goalposts, and then I just dare you to walk. Keep walking until you... Okay, I can still see myself. Yeah, just maybe. Keep walking until you can't see yourself anymore. And that's how it is with us in our walks as Christians. Because the further we are away from God, the harder it is going to be to see Christ reflected through us. So the closer we are to God, we're going to see it. John? Uh, just one thing to note on that, too. The closer you are to the mirror, the less things around you you can see. It's only the reflection. But the further back you are, you see everything around you, too. That's a so very good point. Yeah. That's a good point. You guys all hear that? So, like, the closer you are to the mirror, all you see is the reflection. But the more you walk away, you can start seeing other things that are distractions. That's good. Man, good work, John. Um, and so people, they're going to see the mirror. Okay? And when they see the mirror, what are they seeing? Are they seeing a very small version of Christ? Because you're so far away from Christ that all they can see is Christ. Just in a little part of your life, like, oh, yeah, you go to church on Sunday. They must be a Christian. No. We want people to see the fullness of Christ when they look at us. Does that make sense? So, yeah, that's verse 1. Um, we are to be imitators of God. So, how do we be imitators of God? Well, verse 2 tells us this. Walk in love. Okay, that's cool. What does that mean? Oh, yeah. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Here's the deal. Christ loved us. Okay, the book of 1 John tells us that we love because Christ first loved us. Okay? Which is epic. Epic. I've had you guys go read 1 John. I can't tell you how many times. Another homework assignment. Go read 1 John again. If you haven't noticed by now, 1 John's my favorite book in the Bible. It's great. Okay? And uh, Christ loved. God loved. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, okay, we can have new life in Christ because God loved us. And because God loved us, now we know what it means to love. We look at God, we see his love, so now we reflect God's love out to the world. Does that make sense? So, how did Christ demonstrate love? Well, Romans 5, 8 tells us that Christ demonstrated his love towards us while that we were still sinners, he died for us. Right? So what does that mean? Does that mean we all go out and die? Does that mean we all go up and give our lives, like I just heard testimony of at least 12 people recently doing in Afghanistan, for the Lord? Does that mean we go lay our lives down physically? For some of us, yes, unequivocally. It, it made me, as I was listening to this, really think to myself, um, have I ever really known what it means to say I would die for Christ? Here in America, we really don't have to worry about that. Uh, but over there, and what what great joy, uh, and great reward it is to lay down uh, one's life for the Lord. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And there's a, a crown of reward in heaven for that. It's the martyr's crown. It's it's the gift of God that you only get to use once. Uh, and, and, and so, um, praise God. But... Uh, 
uh, we ought lay down our lives. So, so what does that mean for those of us here in America who are never going to be put at gunpoint, be put at knife point? What does that mean for us as people who are being used by the Spirit to go and witness to people, being imitators of Christ, walking in love? How do we demonstrate the same love that God showed towards us? It says even here, because he laid down himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice. What does it mean for us to be reflectors of Christ to lay down our life? So often when I say life, and when you hear life, you think of a heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom. You think of lungs. You think of the breathing, the blood flowing. You think of life. But what's another meaning for life? Living. What you do with your day-to-day. How you use your time. How do you use the time that you've been given. Well, I would urge you and I would uh, encourage you that a way you can lay down your life for the Lord is to sacrifice your time, is to sacrifice um, just how you operate your life. Does that mean so you can spend 24-7, 365 in church? No. What it means is lay down your ego Lay down your reputation. Lay down what you think you want people to think of you. And go just be Christ to everybody. For those of us in college, which is the majority of us. There's probably only a few handful of us who are out of college. But it still applies to us as well. In college, uh, I get the opportunity every Tuesday uh, to be on campus at CCC. Uh, go Cougars. Woohoo. Uh, how many of you guys go to CCC in the room? Right, a good majority of you. That's awesome. Um, I go into the like the community meeting area, and there's different groups of people like sitting all around, okay? They're all just chilling. Some of them are eating lunch. Some of them are pretending to study. Others are taking naps and just doing all the fun stuff. Uh, and there's a bunch of different groups. Now, I remember in high school what the groups were like, and there was just different demographics sitting at different tables. Uh, and in high school... And it kind of trickles over to college, not as much uh, in a community college, but when you get to a university, it trickles over a lot, okay? Um, there are different groups of people, and different groups of people do not coincide with one another. They just, you're not supposed to go over with that person. Society says that, uh, the school says that even at times. Uh, there are just different groups of people, okay? And here's the thing. Jesus tells us to lay down our life. I'm in one crowd, I dress a certain way, I'm perceived by others as this kind of person, I have to break that mold, because if I'm perceived by others as this, rather than as Christ, I'm doing something wrong. So what I do, is I break that mold, and I say, I'm going to lay down my own wants, my own desires, my own view of myself, what others view me as, and I'm going to cross the line, becoming an imitator of Christ, laying down my life, sacrificing my desires for the Lord's desires. And what does the Lord desire? He, the Bible tells us, the Lord wishes that none would perish. Yeah. That means he wishes that the lost would be found, that the blind would see, that the deaf would hear, that the mute would speak, that those who need Christ would find Christ. How does he do that? How do those people reach? His Holy Spirit is drawing them, but guess what? He also uses you empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and tell them. Right? we got to lay down our lives. 
I think that's good. You guys think that's good? I think that preaches. Lay down your life for Christ. Man, good, good, good. Moving on to verse 3. I've got a half hour to cover 18 more verses. Woo! All right. Uh, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as it is not fitting for the saints. Fornication. That's sexual sin. Okay? Sexual sin. You name it, whether it be uh, adultery, whether it be um, uh, uh, pornography, whether it be uh, sex outside of marriage, um, you name it, okay? We're going to get real, real quick, okay? Any sexual sin, does that mean sex is sin? No, sex is not sin when it's in its rightful place. God ordained sex for marriage, and it is a, uh, it's a covenantal relationship between one man, one woman, okay, where they come together, and it is a holy union. Sex is holy, okay, when it is in its right place. Okay? People say, oh, well, man, sex is bad and all this stuff. Well, no, it's not. Okay, Sex isn't even like sinful if it's in marriage. Okay, uh, n- None of us are married, but I'm just going to let you know when you get married, sex is totally okay. Okay, uh, We were sexual beings before we were sinful beings. In the garden, God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. I don't have to go back to 7th grade and 6th grade health for you guys to know how humans multiply. Okay? And it, that was their commission. They were created that way in the garden. Then they sin. So sex at its root is not a sinful thing. But because of the fall, it has been perverted. Does that make sense? And so no sexual sin. All sexual things. Glumped into one thing. Sexual sin should not be named among the attributes of a Christ follower. Okay, well, there's Matt Morris. Ah, he's a he's a preacher. He loves the Lord. He he serves people. He's got sexual sin. So on and so forth. It it shouldn't be in the list because it wasn't in Christ's list. And see, here's the cool thing for us, okay? Because you're like, man, well, that's, that's rough. How do I do that? I might struggle. I might have these temptations. Well, the Bible tells us that we are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus, okay? That we have been empowered by the Spirit to overcome these things. He breaks all our chains, okay? Here's the cool thing. Jesus was tempted with the same things that we were tempted with. So as people say, well, is temptation sin? Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted. Jesus did not sin. It's what you do with the temptation that that becomes sin, or not sin. Does that make sense? Okay. So if you are being tempted and you do not act on those temptations, that the temptations themselves is not you sinning, but it's what you do with the temptation. Mm-hmm. And I would say 90% of the time, especially in American culture, you get tempted, you fail. So how do we as Christians overcome temptation? How do we as Christians Learn how to combat the enemy when he comes at us with temptations. Well, I would say as a Christian, the way we do this is be an imitator of Christ. Reflect Christ. What did Christ do in the face of temptation? If we are reflecting Christ, if me, Matt Morris, or any of you guys, we are reflecting Christ, Christ was tempted, how did Christ respond? Matt is tempted, how shall I respond? The way Christ responded, how did Christ respond? The word of God. The word of God. Three times Satan came against 
Jesus when he was out in the wilderness. And he gave Jesus these temptations. He said, hey, turn this stone into bread. You haven't eaten for a long time. You can do it. you got the power. Eat it. Jesus says, hey, no, not happening. Here's a scripture, quotes it against it. Satan comes back and says, hey, jump off the temple. If you're God, angels will save you. Jesus says, no. Use a scripture to come against him. Then he says, Jesus, here's all the kingdoms of the world. Okay, bow down to me. Jesus says, no. And he uses scripture. The Bible tells us, resist the enemy and he will... Yeah, it doesn't say resist the enemy and he'll stay there for about five more minutes. you got to duke it out just a little bit more and then he's going to leave. It says resist the enemy and he will flee. We use scripture to combat it. So how do we use scripture? Does that mean um, when it comes to sexual sin, you just like strap a Bible around your waist and I'm done, right? No. Does it mean you have to like curl up with your Bible every night or maybe like when you go on a date like strap a Bible to the inside of your hand so when you hold hands you're like, nope, there's a Bible between us. No, that's not how we use the Word of God. Okay? Um, maybe initially it is, and it, that'd be awkward, okay? Uh, but in order to be proficient with God's Word, we must know how to use God's Word. And to, in order to know how to use God's Word, we have to know what God's Word says. A soldier does not go into battle untrained in his weaponry. It just so happens we're going to hear in two weeks that the Bible is a weapon for us to combat the enemy. Go figure. Wow, God, you've set that up perfectly. So here's the cool thing. We need to know how to use God's word to combat sexual sin and all sin. All sin. It goes on to say uncleanness, covetousness. Okay? These things are not to be named among us. How do we make sure they're not named among us? We make sure we live above reproach. We make sure we live our lives immersed in God's word. Jesus was immersed in the word of God, the holy scriptures. And no, not just because he was God. Some people say, well, yeah, Jesus just knew scripture because he was God. He knew everything. Uh, that is the case, but that's not the case. Because not only was Jesus fully God, he was fully man. He came and he lived as a man, a Jewish man in the first century. So by the age of 12, he already had the Torah memorized. And he knew all the prophets and had those memorized. That's just how it was in the rabbinical schools back then. He had the entire scripture memorized as a man, not just as God. But as a man, if we are reflecting Christ, Christ memorized scripture, do you think it would be good to memorize scripture? Yes. I very much think so. Very much think so. So, let's say you're scared. You're in a place where you, there's just fear, and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah, your word tells me the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Right? You can quote scripture to combat the enemy. I'm already jumping onto two weeks from now's message. Praise the Lord. Let no sin of any kind be named among you, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. How many of you guys have ever been guilty of talking foolishly? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something that we do a lot. Thanks to Facebook, thanks to Twitter, Instagram, we act the fool. We act the fool, and uh, Mr. T says he pities the fool, um, but 
we should have pity on ourselves when we're acting the fool, because that should not be in a follower of Christ. Here's one that might step on some toes. Coarse jesting, which is the old school version of saying crude joking. Yeah. No, out loud in your mind anywhere. Crude joking. But not just crude in a sexual way. I'm saying crude as in if it is not wholesome, if it is not godly, the Bible says if it is not for me, it is against me. So joking that is unholy, that is not of God, has no place. Now, does that mean if you say, well, I did the chicken cross the road. Oh, because they wanted to get to the other side. Okay, yeah, that's not godly, but it's also not ungodly. It's just kind of in the, like floating around. Now, depending on the situation, you might be talking foolishly, immaturely. We're supposed to act mature. That's what Christ wants of us. But that shouldn't have anything to do with us because it's not fitting. But how do we replace those things? The Bible says by giving thanks. Because we're all texting each other goofy jokes just to spite me. I'm just messing with you guys. How does the Bible tell us to combat thinking filthy, thinking unclean, thinking uh, jokes that are crude, thinking with foolish talk? Well, we know how to overcome sin and temptation. That's through the word. How do we overcome these things? It says giving thanks to God. When was the last time you just standing around the water cooler or wherever you guys stand in college and your buddies come oh I got this joke I was watching Family Guy last night oh you should have seen this this was hilarious how many times do you when you hear it uh, you're like oh yeah that was hilarious or when they're about to continue you're like no thank you God you're great thank you for the day they might think you're strange okay that's okay okay they thought Jesus was strange um, but also they're going to see your good works and glorify God. So they're going to start thinking, well, what? why am I talking this way? If I want to be your friend, I'm going to kind of want to find out what's different about you. You see, when you give thanks, God rewards, okay, giving thanks, okay? If you've been faithful with the little things, he's going to bless you with greater things. Giving thanks is a very little thing. It goes a long way, but how hard is it really to say thank you, God? That's small. And if you're faithful in giving thanks, he's going to give you greater things to be thankful for. That's not prosperity gospel. That's not any of that. That's the truth. Does that make sense? Cruising. For this you know, verse 5, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Here's the deal. If you continue to do those things, that means you're continuing to walk further and further and further and further away from the mirror to where you get to the point where you become dull of hearing. If you were in church on Sunday, oh, we were in Hebrews chapter 5, and we talked about an epidemic in the church, an epidemic in our world, where people are, are dull of hearing. They don't know how to discern right and wrong, and that's where people lose it. That's where people walk away from the church. It is when you walk so far away because you allow these things to operate in your life and allow these things to take up root in your life. And when you do... It splits you and God, okay? Does that mean that God, his love doesn't reach through those things? Yes, it does. But guess what? We have to respond to him. And if we continue to push him away, continue to push him away, continue to push him away, the Bible tells us that God will not strive with us forever. And we can choose to say, all right, God, I've tasted, I've seen of your greatness, I've seen of your glory, I've known your grace, but nice knowing you. 
and we can walk away. And that's dangerous. But that is the outcome of a life living for sin rather than living for God. Living with our own reflection. Living with the world's reflection rather than the reflection of Christ. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, verse 7, do not be partakers with them. Hey, people are going to say a bunch of things. The Bible tells us in the last days that people are going to have itching ears so they're just going to heap up prophets for themselves. They're going to just be... They don't want to know what scripture has to say. They want to know what's fun. They want to know what fits them. But here's the deal. God's word is true and God's word is timeless. Okay? And his word is always the final authority. And so when someone's just saying anything, woo-hoo, might sound good but isn't scriptural, don't pay any attention to it because that's going to draw you away. And it says when you get drawn away, the wrath of God comes upon you. So how do we reflect Christ? And how do we not be drawn away? You've got to know what the Word has to say, right? It all comes back to knowing what the Word of God has to say. In order to reflect Christ, you've got to know what the Word says. Because we see Christ in Scripture. And He speaks to us through Scripture. Amen? Amen. First section covered. Boom. Verse 8. I don't have a lot of time, so we're going to just try. For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Very self-explanatory, and we talked about it a few uh, weeks ago. It was probably a month and a half ago uh, when we were in the early parts of Ephesians, so you guys can go and listen to that uh, on your own time. We record all our messages. Just come and see me if you want a recording of it. But we were in darkness. We were dead, but God, now we're alive. Darkness to light, death to life. As imitators of Christ, we must walk in the light that he has given so, let's just take a stab again. Your blank is a light unto my path. Your word is a light unto my path. How do we walk in the light of Christ? Hey, walk by his word. Let his word direct you. Just a good thought. It's a Jesus thought. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Strive after goodness. Strive to be righteous. To be holy. Jesus says, be holy for I am holy. And live in truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, follow me. Follow me. I'm the way. Follow me. I'm also the truth. If we're following Jesus and he was the truth, then we must also follow truth. And so as believers, we must follow truth. Because when we do these things, we're going to find out, verse 10, what is acceptable to the Lord. When you find out what's acceptable to the Lord and you live by what is acceptable to the Lord, you will unequivocally be reflecting Christ. So find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. Where's a great place to find out what pleases the Lord? The Bible, okay? Scripture is covered in things that please the Lord. One that just comes straight to me off the top of my head. Okay? He, re, he, he desires our love and our affection and our uh, obedience rather than sacrifice. He just wants us to love him and follow him. And if we're going to do all this useless sacrifice, all this useless religion, but not have a love for God, 
He doesn't want anything to do with it. Read Malachi. Read Malachi. It's impressive what God has to say there. So we got to follow him with everything we do. Verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So some people say, some uber hyper-spiritual people, which I love the hyper-spirituals, but I just think they're wrong at times. Okay? Because they like to use this verse to say, oh, well, this verse says have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, so I'm not going to hang out with anyone who's not a Christian. I'm not going to be anywhere around someone who's a sinner. Sinners. Right? Okay? Uh, what did Jesus do? Yeah, that was a little bit crazy. I, I shouldn't have done that. that was, um, no, what did Jesus do? He was known to hang with the wine-bibbers and the gluttons and the sinners and the tax collectors. Those are the people Jesus went to. He said, hey, those who are well, they are in no need of a physician, but the sick, they need a hospital. And as followers of Christ, we need to go to them. But we are to be in this world, but not of this world. We are ambassadors of a different land. It's heaven. We are representing Christ. In this world, but not of this world. So what does that mean? Does that mean we walk a tightrope between, okay, how much is too much to drink and all that? Okay? No. Don't walk a tightrope. Have freedom in the Lord, but don't sin. So check this out. How do we do that? Well, it, it, it's very quite simple. We don't have to draw up a whole lot of formulas. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus did not sin. How did he not sin? He overcame it by the word. He quoted scripture. So when we're in situations, it sounds cliche, wristbands from the 90s, what would Jesus do? But if Jesus were sitting right there, would you do those things? See, Jesus... And God doesn't want us to just neglect the lost, but he also doesn't want us to just fully immerse in the lost that we lose ourselves. We are bringing Christ with us. And when we bring Christ with us, they will see our fruits and glorify God. So in order for them to see our fruits, that must mean we are reflecting God when we go there. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, like Paul told those, uh, I think it was in Galatians. I don't have it right up here right away, but... Uh, he told those, hey, if, if, if it causes a brother to sin, don't do it. Okay? He, he, he says, all things are okay, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Okay? And he says, you have freedom, but if it causes a brother to stumble, don't do it, lest you are sinning yourself. Okay? So, don't just shun the darkness, okay? But bring light to the darkness. So when it's saying here, when it says, um, have no fellowship, that's meaning like, all right, sitting down and doing the things with them, okay? That means eating of the unfruitful fruit. That means partaking in darkness rather than light. Does that make sense? Or did that just become just a giant conglomeration of, I don't know what I got to do? You guys get that? Does that make sense? 
All right, thank you. There we go. One person was like, yes, I'm on. I get it. Okay. This is what it says in verse 12. It says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done in secret by them. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is what I'm saying. Don't be a part of the darkness if you've experienced the light. But bring the light to the darkness because it is when you bring the light to the darkness that those who are asleep will awaken, those who are dead will arise, and Christ will give light. That makes sense? That makes sense? You guys all tracking? Okay, there we go. Finish that section. Here we go. Picking up in verse 15. I think we're going to do it. we got 10 minutes to cover six verses. We're cruising. Here we go. Final countdown. This one says, See then that you walk circumspectly. What does that mean? It means walk in wisdom. How do I know that? Because this is what it continues to say. Not as a fool, but as someone who is wise. So how does a wise person walk? How does a wise person walk? Did I just hear someone say circumspectly? Well played, Austin. Okay, no. How does a wise person walk? Clue, look at verse 16. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Someone who is wise does not waste time but goes to the enemy's camp and takes back what the enemy has stolen. What I mean is time is short, time is of the essence, and the times that we live in are evil. So how do we make the most of our time? We go and we redeem the time. We redeem those who have been taken away by the lies of this world, the foolishness of this world, those who are blinded by the lies that this world has, blinded by the enemy, and we go and we redeem them. Not that we have the redeeming power to redeem. We didn't die on the cross, but because Christ in us, our hope and glory, Christ in us and Christ through us, he redeems when they give their heart to the Lord. And how do they give their heart to the Lord? When they see Christ in us. We must, underline this in your notes like a hundred times, we must reflect Christ. It is quintessential. We must reflect Christ if the lost are going to be found. We must reflect Christ. Therefore, verse 17, do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. you got to understand God's will. There's multiple times in the New Testament where God's will is shown to us. One is in 1 Corinthians, and it is God's will that we would abstain from all sexual immorality. Another is found in Thessalonians, that God's will would be um, that uh, we are not ignorant of things, but that we know that we have a hope. Okay. Another place we see God's will is in the Gospels where he says, I will that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. Okay, So, some good things. God's will for our lives. Live purely. Abstain from sexual sin. Oh, go figure. There it is again. Do you think it's important? Yeah, I think it's important. Why do you think he says it so many times? Because I think humans, guys and girls alike, we tend to struggle sexually. It's just real, some more than others. Then the next, we have a hope. Our hope is in Christ. We have a future. And we, we, don't, we don't have to be ignorant about these things. God's will is that we would have a clear understanding that we have a future. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our salvation is sure. He's given us the Holy Spirit as the earnest um, 
And earnest is just like a banking term, meaning that they put down a down payment to ensure that they were good. He's given us the Holy Spirit as that person who is now um, our, our, our earnest of our home and with, with Christ. So that's also his will. And his will that no one perish. So what does he say? Last words on earth, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. What does he say in Matthew's gospel? He says, all power has been given unto me. Therefore, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the things which I have taught, and lo, I am with you always. He said, go. His will is that none would perish. How do none perish? We go. We go. And we tell them about the will and the hope and the future we have in Christ. We must understand what the will of the Lord is. Here it says in verse 18, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's that verse where Christians are like, is it okay to drink or not? Okay, you... Scripturally, drinking is not a sin. But, drinking in excess, drinking to drunkenness, is a sin. You can see it throughout Scripture. Getting drunk is a sin. Sorry. If I step on toes, it's the word of God. And we must reflect Christ. And if Christ is in us, then we have no part in these things. So, getting drunk is sin. Does that make sense? Dissipation. You guys know what dissipation means? Okay? It means acting the fool. It means doing stupid stuff. It means, how did I end up here? And you only get to the place where, how did I end up here when you have lost it because you're drunk? Does that make sense? You wake up one morning and you're like, what are you doing here? Now you've had some dissipation and some sexual sin. All because you got drunk. So what does it say is a good replacement for getting drunk? The Spirit of God. And I can tell you this. I've had alcohol and I've had the Spirit. And I have the Spirit. And I'll tell you what. The latter is much greater. And the Spirit of God is so great in the fullness of life that we have in it. The abundance that God has for us. Yeah, drinking might be fun for a time. You wake up the next morning after you had way too much and you got that nasty headache. I guarantee you this, there's no spirit hangovers. There's spirit like, let's do this again and again and again and again. And you wake up the next morning wanting more. Spirit's the best drug. Get the greatest high of God. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Verse 18. There we go. Done. Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in our hearts to the Lord. Hey, isn't that great? When we sing, when we come together, when Bo leads us week in and week out in worship, and we lift up our hands and we sing praises unto the Lord, lifting up a shout of praise, a song of thanksgiving, when we sing these hymns and these melodies, and when we encourage one another with the psalms and with what God's word has to say, and we quote scripture to one another to build one another up, guess what? In those moments we are reflecting Christ. All stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. Reflecting Christ. I'm going to ask Bo, Bo figure. Bo's going to come back up and we're going to sing some more hymns. It's going to be great. Um, but as Bo begins to play the guitar softly in the back, 
I want us to just ponder and think on these last two verses here in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, the last two verses for our study. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 say, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Guys, our world has so many things for us to complain about. We live in Oregon. It rains 90% of the year. That could be a complaint. But, to a farmer, it's a rejoicing. Because crops grow. There's a reason why we produce a lot of agriculture here in Oregon. Um, A lot of things that we could be ungrateful for in this world. But those things are so heavily outweighed by the amount of things that we can be thankful for. Did you wake up this morning? Did you breathe in? Did you have a cup of coffee? Did your car start? Was the sun shining? Are you redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Are you Jesus's? is yours? Do you have friends? Do you have a family? Have you experienced love? The list goes on and on and on. Kind of like his love does. It goes on and on and on. Are you thankful for God's love? Are you thankful that he loved you so much that he said his son to die for you? Guys, we must, we must be thankful always. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us to pray without ceasing. I can only think of so many things when I'm praying without ceasing um, that I can ask God for. God, can I have this? God, can I have this? God, can I have this? Well, that's about all I need, God. What do I do with the rest of my time? Oh, yeah, the endless thanks that I can give. Because he's so worthy and he's given us so many things. Are you thankful that he's got a plan for you? That he's got a future for you? That he's called you for a specific reason, a specific purpose? Are you thankful that, like Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I can send someone? Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Guys, there's so much to be thankful for. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Guys, what this means is, we're brothers and sisters. There's no hierarchy between us. It's us, there's God, and we're serving God. Submitting to God in the fear of God, the respect and the admonition of God. And when we do these things, when we look at this whole list right here, all these different bits and pieces, it's as if, this would have been a great sermon illustration, I didn't think of this, but it would be as if I had little 5 by 5 inch tiles, reflective mirror. We're putting them all up, verse by verse, all of them, boom. This is how we reflect Christ. Then at the end of it, you step away. you got a full mirror that is your entire body's height, width, and it's a reflection of Christ. And if you do these things and you live by what God's word has to say, and you follow Jesus with everything you've got, you will unequivocally reflect Christ. And when you, flip, when you reflect Christ, the world is going to see Christ in you.
And what are they going to do? They're not going to glorify you. They're not going to be like, oh, you're so great. No, it says they're going to glorify our Father in heaven. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. And we got to reflect Jesus with everything we have. So I'm going to invite you guys just to stand to your feet as we go to the Lord in prayer. But before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want us just to sing this chorus maybe one or two times. Uh, Then we'll pray. And then we'll sing it maybe seven or eight more times. Um, But this is the cry of our hearts. We're going to stand our ground. We're not going to walk away from the mirror. But we're going to stand right here. Boom. Reflect Christ. So, Bo, can you lead us in this? just be lyrics of a song may not not just be the cry of our hearts for this evening or maybe even for the week but God may that be the milestone of what our life is all we are is yours and may the world see all of you through us God we just pray for each and every single one of us in this room tonight God that we would make a stand for you God, that we would make a reflection of you. God, that when people look at us, they see you in us. God, all we are is yours. God, we thank you so much. We praise you. Your son's wonderful, beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said a huge amen. 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 Let's sing that one more time. <laughs>